Well, this morning's kind of a, a special day for me. As uh, PJ and I were driving in this morning, we, we said, hey, do you remember what we were doing three years ago today, right? Super Bowl Sunday. But three years ago, we were actually coming here and meeting you for the first time, many of you. Uh, it was our candidating week, and um, you actually said yes to us uh, coming here and uh, allowing us uh, to be a pastor and and so we, uh, we appreciate that, and we're thinking of that this morning, so thank you. Some of you are, weren't here three years ago, and so you're like, man, what were they thinking? Right? I agree. And if you saw, the, you saw those two elders this morning, um, I don't know what to tell you there. You can be praying. Um, we'll talk about that at our elders meeting this week, <laughs> about shorts, and I, yeah, I'm not even sure where that was going. So thank you, Tony, for sharing that. <laughs> Steve, Wednesday night, all right? Make sure we talk about that. Oh. 6.30, yeah. <laughs> Inside joke, sorry. No, sorry, folks. But All right, back to Peter, right? When I mention Peter, what do you think about? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind about Peter? Give me some thoughts. Fisherman, that's one, yes, good. What? Hot-headed? Yeah, yeah, at times, yeah, certainly... There was in the garden, right, with his sword, and uh, a couple other times he spoke up. Yeah, hot-headed. What else? Outspoken. outspoken. Yes, very much outspoken. What's that? His emotions are on his sleeve. Okay, I got it now. Yeah, I was, I didn't, no sleeve, so it didn't work. I got it, right? Yeah, right. You knew where Peter stood, right? He, he wasn't hard to read. He was very much open that way. Anything else? Sword? Yeah, that's right, right? His name means rock, solid. Yeah. Good with a sword? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he was aiming for, but yeah. I heard he was pretty good with a sword. <laughs> no. What's that? Three denials. Yeah. That's something we forget about, right? Peter's the one that denied Christ three times, yet Jesus restored him three times. So, yep. Leader of the church, one of the leaders, yes. Yep. A disciple, yes. Man, you guys know a lot. That's great. I, man, I'm not sure. I don't even need to teach. He identified him? Yeah. Who do you say? Right, yeah. He was one of the first ones to speak up in that. And many believe that he was leading the group. He was one of the spokesmen for the, for the apostles, Yeah. And uh, as Linda reminded me this morning, one of the songs we sang, right, who, who will I follow, right? And, and Peter says, we have nowhere else to go. I'll follow you. So, so great. Good. You know a lot about Peter. Well, First Peter is written a little bit later on in life, right? Peter's coming to the end of his life, and he's writing this now to the, the churches. And if you've been with us, we've been kind of working through First Peter verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we're, we're all the way up to chapter 3 today, so if you want to start flipping there, or the guys will have it up there on the screen, which they are so good at that. Um, but we've been studying First Peter as he's written this letter to churches, right? It was meant to be passed from church to church uh, in that area of Asia, northern Turkey area uh, today. Um, and sadly, there's no Christian churches or m not much presence of Christian churches in those areas today. But Back then there were, and there was a churches that were, were mixed, right? There was Jews and Gentiles. Peter, being a Jew, um, had that bent to him or that way of speaking, and so he quite often uses those reference. In fact, we'll even see today, he uses the Old Testament scriptures quite often in his speaking. 
which again is a reminder, right? Jesus was there and continues to be there. To be Peter also being the, a witness of Christ in Christ's life um, called us to be that um, to live the same way, right? If you remember early on in the, the the letter, he talks about being holy, right? Being holy as Christ is holy, setting that bar really high. He also used the reference of living stones. And we spent some time on that. One of the messages about being those living stones and working together and using Christ, obviously, as the cornerstone, that, that marker. But it's built upon that and going from there. <clears throat> we also spent a good deal of time, as Peter spent a good deal of time, on submission, right? That, that word that's hard sometimes for us to understand. In fact, you know, it, it sometimes bristles us, right, to submit, Submit to the authorities over us, our government, submitting to one another, submitting in our relationships. Um, but we have Christ also as that example, right? He submitted to the authorities of the time. And Peter even uses those scriptures that he was without fault in that. He did not speak back to them. He was quiet. All right, we talked about submitting in our jobs, right? Submitting to those in authority over us, our, uh, our bosses. And uh, the example was slaves and masters. And then last week, hey, this one's a bonus. Hey, guys, girls, I don't need to remind you, but guys, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Do not forget. Uh, marriage tip, you know, just to help you out there. But we spent a great deal of time, not talking about Valentine's Day last week, of wives and husbands and our roles Right, our roles in marriage and how that submission gets played out and husbands our response and how we're to act, right? How we're to act towards our wives. And so that was on both believing husbands and also non-believing husbands. We we addressed both those things. And so that was last week. And so now you're up to date, you're up to the speed, and now we're jumping into the rest of chapter three and Lord willing, we may actually finish chapter 3 today. Because it's just, one says, Charlie, you go pretty slow sometimes. And I said, well, sometimes I need to pump the brakes because it's just too much to cover in one morning. And I don't want to skim over it. I want to dig in a little bit. So chapter 3, verse 8, it starts off with, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. All right, what a, what a great sentence. What a great way to start off this next section, right? He's talked about the roles and submission, and now he addresses the church body here. And if he was standing here today, he would be saying the same thing because, again, we're that body of believers coming together. And he says, he would say, be like-minded, right? Focus on the things that are important might be a, a, a way of saying that today, right? Be like-minded, Not don't getting off on our own tangents, right? doesn't mean that we all think the same. I hope not, right? I was not thinking about anything that Tony was talking about this morning uh, with, with that. I understand the 50 part, but after that, he lost me. No. But being like-minded. <laughs> being like-minded, right? Like-minded on the important things, right? Salvation, resurrection, scriptures. There are a lot of things that we can be like-minded on. We can disagree on some other things. And in fact, we're going to have a, a passage today that there's some, some different interpretations of it, and that's okay. But in the general, we should be like-minded. 
Be sympathetic, right? Be sympathetic. That's part of that loving one another, right? And, and being sympathetic and, and understanding that we're not all coming at things from the same background. Or we may be in different spots in our growth, right? Our spiritual growth. Things are, we're not all on the same path, right? We, we've come at it from different angles or we're, we're at different places in our walk. And so be, be sympathetic with that. Be understanding. Love one another, right? That love that covers over a multitude of sins, right? That, that love that is caring, that love is kind, that's patient, not self-seeking, keeps no records of wrong, right? That's that encompassing love, that love that, that needs to be put into action, right? And that's going to help us. That's going to help us be like-minded. It's going to help us as we grow. It's going to be help us to, to be in our relationships with one another, right? Be compassionate and humble. That humbleness, right? That's, that, 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 that's not one of the things that you, you said about Peter, right? Hard for many. Peter probably struggled with that a little bit, right? Being leaders, that's, that's one of the characteristics that's hard for many of us as leaders is to be humble, right? In order to submit, you have to be humble, right? That's because you're willingly putting yourself under someone else. That takes humility, being able to do that. So that's a, a theme here. And again, I think it's Peter emphasized that because he knows that's a struggle, right? Pride gets in the way. So those are some of the do's, and then typical in the writings in the Scripture, there's a, a, a list here, a little bit of the do-nots, right? Verse 9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because of this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. I love, sometimes Scripture gives us that, hey, if you do that, there's a benefit to it, Right? Because if, if, if you just left it, hey, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, I'm sure you could come up with a situation. You're like, well, yeah, but Charlie, this is so unfair. Or they insulted me for no reason, right? And we would come up with a case or a, a situation, right? But when this statement on its own, it's tough to follow, right? In fact, I would say it's hard to do on our own. We need help. We need supernatural help with this. Again, it's not my first response, right? My, my flesh usually rises up. If you insult me, I'm pretty quick to come back with another insult, and I have to really keep that in check. I got to say, my first response is not always my best response. But I am held accountable for how I respond. And that's what Scripture is saying here, is we are responsible for how we respond. Things that we can't control, Right? I've used this many times, and I have to remind myself as well, right? I can't control a lot of situations, but I can control how I respond to them. When I, I, right? I mean, someone may throw something at me this morning, I, I, and I, you know, how do I respond to it? Do I catch it and throw it back to them, or, you know, do I just duck? Or, right? Well, it's the same thing with our words sometimes. We have to choose how we're going to respond to them. Situations. And again, if I respond incorrectly, then the next one's very likely to happen as well, right? Repay evil with evil, right? That revenge. Revenge is, a, is really a negative, right? 
That's, that's trying to extract something in, in payment, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get revenge. I'm going to repay them. In fact, we're not usually a very good judge, right? If we could be honest, right? And the repayment's not just uh, to even things up, but it's to get even more, to extract more. And we see that in our world today, that that doesn't always work out well. Uh, the, the court system is full of that, right? Super damages and beyond that, and that's how these million-dollar lawsuits happen, right? Because they're trying to get repaid way beyond what caused it in the first place. But in the Christian realm, we have a responsibility on how we respond. And like I said, don't miss this last piece here. It says, because you... Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing, right? So if, again, if we respond correctly and we don't do those things, then there's a blessing that comes to us. And as with all blessings, it may not be right here, right now. It may be future. It may be in heaven. But there is a blessing attached to doing the right thing. It's a lot. It's a lot in those two verses. And Again, it's, it's something we could kind of sit on even longer, but just bear that in mind as we go forward here in verse 10. It says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Couldn't help when I was reading this. Again, this is taken from Psalms, but actually it kind of hearkened to me to, to James chapter 3. And if you know James chapter 3, it's all about the tongue. And it talks about taming the tongue and trying to, to hold it in, to rein it in. Uh, again, we as humans communicate with our words. And we have to be careful what we say. Uh, I don't know how many times I've had something, I've said something out of anger or frustration or, or quickly or even just misspoken. And it's like, oops, I, it's too late, right? It's gone. I can't grab it back. There's no erase button. There's no taking it back, really, once you said it. And so it's a reminder to be careful on how we speak, right? And again, the, the psalm speaks to that way back then in its continuation, right? And James just backs it up. Verse 11, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Again, Peter's just making the argument from the Old Testament, what he's just said in the New Testament, and he's just backing it up with Scripture. And the Jews that were in the crowd, they would know this right away. They would be reminded of this. Quite often in the synagogues, in their services, way back when, when the, when the Jews would gather, they would quote the Psalms. That would be the Scripture that would be most likely used in most of their services. And so they would know this. This may be something that they would have sang and put words to song. And so seeking peace and pursuing it, it takes effort. And then verse 12, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Again, that reminder here, right? God sees it all. God sees not only what we're doing, but he knows our heart motivation behind it. He sees what's going on. And just like when we talked last week about in marriage and right in the husband, it's our prayer life can be affected by these things, right? It says the ears are attentive to their prayer, right? He hears, he knows, he knows what's going on. 
And if we can turn the corner, we don't have to worry about that other person. Really, in, in light of this, it's saying the Lord is the one against those who do evil, right? In the end, God will judge and he will take care of those he loves. So it's a beautiful paraphrase of this psalm here, Psalm 34. Peter's going to shift here a little bit now uh, as that reminding done. Also, as that church is under persecution, they're being falsely accused, they're being done evil to. Um, they're outcast in many ways. Verse 13, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. I love this. Peter actually knows that there's going to be some, some disagreement with what he's just said. And so he's setting the stage, very almost like Paul-like in his response, right? He knows there's an argument that could be made, and so he's speaking out ahead of it. He's getting ahead of it a little bit here. And he says, yeah, who would, you know, who would not want you to do good, right? Who's going to speak against that? Well, sometimes that could happen, and you might come up with that situation. And so he, he gets in front of it. He says, who should suffer what's doing right? But do not fear their threats. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I, I taught a, an evangelism class for LAPS, and um, there was 14 people. It was a great time of coming together. And the, the number one thing that came out, and, and I asked the question, and be great even for you, but it'd be like, what keeps you from sharing your faith with others? What keeps you from sharing your faith, right? And the number one answer was fear. Fear of rejection, fear of the relationship, fear of offending, fear, right? Fear keeps us quite often from doing what God's called us to do. And he's saying the same thing here, really, in, in, in another situation. He's saying, do not be, be fearful. Do not be frightened. Do not let it hinder you from your walk, right? Joe challenged us this week, right? That's a great challenge. And one of the things that would keep us from taking on that challenge would be fear, right? Fear of that awkward moment or that situation or rejection. Verse 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Give the reason. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Right? Always give an answer, right? Joe, you used a, a great example, right? What's the joy? What's the joy in your heart? Why, why do you have joy, right? Or why do you do what you do? One of the things that is always a challenge is taking that physical, right, and turning it into a spiritual conversation, bringing it back around, right? You know, someone may ask you on tomorrow morning, what did you do yesterday, right? And again, we could spend a long time talking about the Super Bowl and, and the party we went to and the things that we did, but we, it would be easy to leave out, hey, no, I committed the morning to being in worship with fellow believers in Christ. I went to church. What a great lead-in, right, to bring that around. But giving that reason, but then it gives us a warning with it, right, and how we do it is important, right? It says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously, maliciously against you or your good behavior 
in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. All right? So doing it with gentleness. Right? I think this nullifies the, the Bible thumper, right? The, the beating people over the head uh, with scriptures. Right? But do it with gentleness. I think I mentioned I've been working through a book on, on gentleness, right? It's one of those fruits of the Spirit, but we, we kind of gloss over it, and gentleness doesn't always work in our, our context, and it's hard to, to, to kind of grasp it. And so the book, this book has been helping me a little bit and just get a little bit better understanding of what gentleness is. And again, it's not a, a meekness or something, but it actually takes um, great care to be gentle. It takes great effort to be gentle and how we speak to one another, and how we handle situations. Here it's saying gently, right, with tenderness. And here it's saying, saying how, do you, how do you do that in a world that's coming against you, someone that's slandering you, right? This obviously ties back to they're insulting you, right? How do I repay them, or how do I respond back to them? And so this works together here, and Peter is encouraging us to do that with gentleness. Verse 17. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins and the righteousness for the unrighteous. To bring you to God, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. All right, so again, Christ is our example. Peter doesn't forget that. He's reminding them, hey, Christ is, is the, the example here, right? And we watched, Peter watched him suffer. He watched what he went through. And Jesus was doing good, yet he was persecuted and crucified. Right? He's the example. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made a proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. I'm going to stop right there. Let me just tell you, this is one of those passages. There's a couple different interpretations to it, right? Ernie and I were having this conversation. He, he, he made the, the bold statement, hey, I've been studying this, and he asked me and PJ, and PJ and him went on a 45-minute long working through the scriptures. And again, it's one of those that has some different interpretations. In fact, it has about three interpretations. Now, one, if you grew up with the Apostles' Creed, you may know what the Apostles' Creed says, where Jesus was during the time in between his crucifixion and his resurrection, right? It says that he went to Sheol and he was there ministering to the saints, right? There's that interpretation. This, there's another one that talks about going to disbelieving saints and, and casting out, or the fallen angels, the evil spirits, and casting out and telling them their final judgment where they're going to spend eternity. That's one, another one. There's a, a third one as well saying that these were the people that were lost exactly at the time of the flood. One has less traction, but that is an interpretation. There's a few more. There's up to five or six of them, and if you want to add one to that, you can, but it's one of those passages that um, doesn't have a, a clear exactly who Jesus was talking to. 
which spirits he was proclaiming to. Again, they're in prison. They're trapped. It's, so again, where he was during that time and who he was exactly speaking to is one of those unknowns. Old Testament saints, New Testament martyrs, unbelieving fallen angels. He was speaking to someone. We don't know exactly. And so I'm not going to tell you which one. And again, it's just one of those things that you can wrestle with the scriptures and you may have to just come to the point where I am. I don't know for sure. But I want to be honest with you this morning that sometimes it's not always clear. Good scholars have argued this out. But Peter does take from that point, he shifts over to Nor, and I think it's, it kind of trips on to the next memory, and he, he goes from Nor, and he says, while the ark was being built, right, that, that time frame, that 120 years that Nor was preaching while he was building that ark, he came under criticism, right? People didn't understand him. It was a wicked world at that time. And he likens the ark as baptism, right, through the water. He makes the connection here. It says, and this water symbolizes baptism, that now saves you also... Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. Again, this is another section here, and this is another part of the scriptures that gets kind of sticky in some circles, right? Some, this is their passage that they use to justify infant baptism. We don't believe in that here. We don't believe that's part of salvation. We believe that's an act that we do afterwards. It's a, a symbol that we do as an ordinance to proclaim what Christ has done for us. And again, we use the water of going in before death, coming alive, right? We identify with Christ as part of our testimony. And so we do that as adults. We don't do that as children. Now, I understand there are other denominations that do baptize kids. I had that conversation this past week. That's one of those things that comes up and they, they ask the question, right? And it can become a focal point. And those that believe that children have to be baptized will use this passage and they'll say, this is, this is why we do what we do, right? It's that saving. And they believe that it saves them until they can make that decision on their own. And there's an age down the road that there's usually a confirmation or a time of teaching, somewhere around age 12 or 13, depending on the church. Again, we don't believe that here, but this is the scripture that they use for that. For baptism. Back to the scripture here as we kind of wrap this up, right? Baptism is not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. I love how he kind of pulls it back around, right? The, the focal point here really is on Jesus, right? The, the work that Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection thereof. And again, that where we can take that hope that we can identify with Christ and we have that same promise. And in a fallen world and in the time that they're at and the time that we're in at now, we need that hope, right? We need that hope of that future, this is not all there is to our lives. And we have that hope through Jesus Christ and the resurrection of going and being with Christ. Interestingly enough here, he pulls it back around here as well, and he says that God is sitting at the right hand, right, with the angels, authorities, and powers in submission 
to him. There's that word again, that, that submission, right? right? We all at some point have to submit our lives to God. There is a judgment coming where every knee will bow. And so that submission, it's good practice if we start working on it now. And I think if I draw nothing else out of this section, I could pull that out of it and say, you know what? It's good practice for heaven to start submitting now, humbling myself and putting myself under Christ's authority. We did it. We got through chapter 3. And like I said, there's some sticky points in here, and there's some things that are hard to explain, and there's not absolutes, and sometimes that leaves us kind of feeling like a little lost or a little uneasy. But you know what? That's okay. I don't need to know everything. I just need to know who I'm following. I think that's the most important part of that. But a couple things that I did pull out of here is responses. Right? So the title of the message this morning is Responses. How do I respond? How do I respond when someone's insulting me? How do I respond when someone's evil to me? Right? Or doing harm against me? Or slandering, right? How do I respond? Right? How is that response like Jesus' response? Right? That's the goal, right? To be like Jesus and to respond like him. So how does my actions line up with what Jesus' reactions were? And then finally, the last reflective question here is, does your life reflect that response? Does your life reflect that response? Again, that response to Christ and what he did, our salvation. How does our life reflect that response. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we recognize that we need your help, that we need your help in how we respond, how we respond to you, how we respond to each other. Lord, help us. Help us in our daily walk. Help us as we live out our lives, Lord, to respond correctly to respond biblically and Christ-like. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you give us. I thank you for the guidance and the, the, the Holy Spirit that lives within us that can help us in those moment-by-moment situations. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.